I love it. I love it. I really do. Thank you for a great worship time and time of welcome this morning. And before we get to the message this morning, just some reminders. And I'm going to be doing this from memory, so I I hope I can remember everything. First of all, I want to thank all of you for praying on Wednesday. I literally felt the prayers of God's people from this church going up over this land over here on Chandler Heights. And if you weren't here last week to hear about it, we are getting ready to make a formal proposal on this piece of property on Chandler Heights for the future of the Oasis Church. And yeah, we're excited about that. And uh, we, uh, we are just trusting the Lord to work in us and work through that. So just continue to pray. Once we make that proposal, as soon as we hear something and know something, you'll know something. All right? We'll keep you as informed as we possibly can. Uh, secondly, uh, many of you saw, uh, we need to get you guys, you know, ready for this potluck getting ready to come up in December, the first Sunday. So Debbie was out there. Please, if you're going to be with us that first Sunday in December, if you've been part of the Oasis for the last couple years, you know that every time we do the December potluck, it's all about that Mexican fiesta, and we have the Gaxiola family making their homemade tamales and stuff, and it's always a great potluck, as all of ours are. So uh, please sign up and be a part of that. Uh, Debbie will help you out as far as uh, what to bring for that. Speaking of that, too, I just want to remind you of not this Tuesday, but the Tuesday before Thanksgiving. It's always been sort of a tradition, too, at the Oasis. We have a pie fellowship. Okay, the Tuesday before Thanksgiving, the 25th, I guess, this year. I think it's that the date. Anyway, not this Tuesday, but the following Tuesday. So please be aware of that, too. Come at 6.30, ready to eat some pie. Get yourself prepared for the Thanksgiving dinner time to come. A couple of other things. I just want to thank you guys so much. We, we may be a small church, but we are mighty. And it's mighty through God what you guys do. Uh, last Sunday... The foster group home had that board out there with all these things to, that we could provide as a church so that those boys would have a Thanksgiving meal, and every last one of them were taken last week by you guys. So thank you for that. Just a reminder, now that you've taken those items, please make sure you bring them in. You know, so this Sunday or next Sunday, please make sure that you bring those items that you, that you signed up for. And I also want to say a shout out and thank you to the group that went to the foster group home yesterday and painted. They were allowing two days to paint. They had such a great group that they got the painting done in one day yesterday. So thank you guys for that. Just awesome. Awesome stuff that's going on. And I, just men, don't forget the, about the football game to go out and see Woody about that uh, after the uh, service is over as well. So just a lot of wonderful things. I want to thank the gals, too, that were out front. If you saw them, our welcome group and our welcome table, we've sort of reestablished that. And I want to thank the gals that were out there this morning to greet all of you. We're anticipating that we're coming into a season where we're going to have people visiting us. We're going to have visitors. And we just wanted to reinstitute that Just as a reminder for all of us to be on the lookout for new people and welcoming them. And again, just a reminder, we're coming into the Christmas season. Next Sunday, I start a five-week series on Christmas. I'm sort of entitling the whole series, Meet Me at the Manger. And so I want you to meet me at the manger and invite somebody else to come and meet us at the manger for the next five weeks. And let's make Christmas truly about Christ this, this year. 
So a lot of wonderful stuff. So let's get into the word this morning, Ecclesiastes. This is a standalone message like last Sunday was. The book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 12, the very last chapter of this book. As we saw last week, if you were here, and we went to the table of contents first, Ecclesiastes is one of those books that make up the heart of the Old Testament. You have the historical books that come before these five books, and then you have the prophetic books that come after them. But Job, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and the Song of Songs all in uh sort of capture what I call the heart of the Old Testament. And the reason why many Christians identify with those books even more than they do the historical books and the prophetic books is because those books are from individuals to us as individuals about things that we deal with all the time. And so we can really identify with those books that that we would call the heart of the Old Testament. And we wanted to look at this passage today Because as I was asking God, God, what do you want me to share for this one Sunday before we get into the, the Christmas messages and stuff? This is where God led me. And he led me to this passage that really, if we had to say, what would be the theme, uh, the overarching statement of this passage from the book of Ecclesiastes, from the pen of Solomon, the wisest man who the Bible says ever lived, it would be these two words. Everything matters. That's what Solomon is reminding us of. Everything matters. And for two primary reasons. He's going to start out in Ecclesiastes 12, verse 8, reminding us that everything matters because life is a breath. And then he's going to end this chapter by reminding us that everything matters because eternity is waiting on us. And God has created us, even though our earthly life is a breath, God has created us for eternity. So Solomon wants to impart this wisdom to us, and he wants to remind us that unlike maybe how we live life sometimes, where we have maybe throwaway days or throwaway hours in our day or throwaway minutes, that from God's perspective, nothing is throwaway. Every Thing matters, and therefore it should matter to us as well. You'll notice there in verse 8, Solomon starts out by saying, absolutely futile, laments the teacher. All of these things are futile. And the word doesn't mean meaningless. It means that everything is a vapor. Everything is a breath. He's reminding us again of how short and how brief our earthly life is. In fact, if you look at verse 7, he's been talking here in the first part of chapter 12 about the aging process. Process and about getting older. And, and, and in some ways, if you read this, you can really, as you get older, identify with the things that Solomon is describing about the aging process. But then in verse 7, he concludes this by saying, And the dust returns to the earth as it was, and the life's breath returns to God who gave it. And he picks up on that theme of breath. And he comes into verse 8 and basically says, absolutely futile. Everything about this earth is transitory. Our earthly life is so short. Everything is a vapor. Everything is a breath. But that's why everything matters. Because we are here for such a short time, Solomon is saying we've got to capture the truth that everything 
matters. Keep your finger there in Ecclesiastes 12. We're going to be looking at several different passages of Scripture, but I want you to go over to the New Testament book of James, if you would. James is towards the back of the New Testament, to James chapter 4. Because the New Testament talks about this idea of life being a breath or a vapor as well, and that life is short. In fact, in this passage we're going to look at from James, James is really declaring three things about life. First of all, he says life is uncertain, and we should always remember that. He said life is brief, the brevity of life. And then he says, and life is fragile. There's a frailty to our earthly lives. And we should take all of those things into account every day. That's how we begin to live for what really matters and understand that everything in our life does matter. Because life is uncertain, life is brief, and life is frail. Notice in chapter 4, beginning at verse 13, the words of James here. He says, Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go into this or that town and spend a year there and do business and make profit. James says in verse 14, You do not know about tomorrow. He's saying, Life is uncertain. We don't know what tomorrow holds. Therefore, everything matters today because we don't know about tomorrow. Life is uncertain. Then he reminds us life is brief. He says, what is your life like? For you and I are a puff of smoke that appears for a short time and then vanishes. Even if we live a normal lifespan of time on this earth, we're talking what? Upper 70s now, maybe 80, the average lifespan, 80 years. That's it. And, and James is saying, those years are going to fly by. So James says, that's why we need to approach life, our earthly life, this short, uncertain life, reminding ourselves that everything that we do in this very short earthly life matters because life is brief and short. Then he goes on to say in verse 15, For you ought to say instead, if the Lord is willing, then we will live and do this or that. But as it is, you boast in your arrogance. There he's reminding us about the frailty of life. The fragileness of life. He's saying, you're, you're talking as if you're going to be here forever. And as if nothing can happen to you and nothing can change. And James says, isn't that pretty presumptuous? Of a, of a human being when we understand what life is and this life that God has given us as a gift. That's why he goes on to say, all such boasting is evil before God. So whoever knows what is good to do and does not do it is guilty of sin. Unlike many times as Christians, we focus on the things we shouldn't have done. James is reminding us if everything matters in life, then shouldn't we be as equally, if not more focused on the things we should be doing with our life? Because if we're truly pouring our life into the things that really matters and everything matters, Solomon is saying, then we wouldn't have time for the things that don't matter. You see, so that's where James is approaching this from. If we know what we should be doing 
If we know the things we should be pouring our time, energy, effort, attention, and focus, and all of that into, and we're not doing it, James has said, shame on us. Because life is uncertain. Life is brief. Life is fragile. And back to Ecclesiastes chapter 12. That's why everything matters, because life is so short. Then beginning in verse 9, he has some great words for teachers. If any of you are teachers, you you certainly should pay attention to what he's saying in verses 9 through 11. But can I say, I'd like to make a little bit wider application of these verses in Ecclesiastes than just focusing on those who teach. Because I think in some ways, God calls all of us, maybe not to a position of formal teaching, but God calls all of us to share his light. God calls all of us to be light bearers. And God calls all of us as Christians to be a witness and to share our testimony. God calls all of us to share who He is to us, to others. And therefore, I think the things that that Solomon is saying here, the things that the teacher has considered in his own walk of why he wants to do this so well should, in a sense, impact all of us that as we go through each day, We know we're going to encounter people that we've all planned on encountering that day, but but God may have other plans and may want us to encounter people that we don't even know we were planning on encountering that day. And therefore, we should always approach each day realizing again, this is an opportunity, this day that God has given me. And because everything matters, that means every encounter, every smile, every interaction, everything I say or don't say, everything I do or don't do, therefore I should approach it with the seriousness and the gravity that the teacher is approaching his calling to here. Beginning in verse 9, notice he says, not only was the teacher wise, but he also taught knowledge to the people, how to live at the highest level. And therefore, he carefully evaluated and arranged many proverbs. The words carefully evaluated means to weigh and examine, to pour over. He wasn't flippant. In his sharing and teaching, he understood that that what he would say would have great influence on others. And therefore, he took the time to carefully evaluate what he was going to say and how he was going to say it. He weighed it. He examined it. He arranged it. He was orderly with it because he wanted to be clear and he wanted those that he was teaching to truly grasp and comprehend what he was teaching because He believed in it, you see. The word proverb here means principles to live by that should carry weight and authority. That's really the whole book of Proverbs as well, which he also wrote most of. That's why Solomon used these proverbs. They were the principles that God gave us of how we should live our lives. And the very idea of a proverb is something that should carry weight or authority in our lives. We should pay attention to them because these aren't principles given to us by another human being. These are principles laid down by the Creator Himself and our Savior and our Lord who taught us this is how you should live. 
And then he goes on to say in verse 10, the teacher sought to find delightful words. This word delightful was a very interesting word. It actually meant moving words. In other words, he wants to move people with what he says because he wants to draw them not to himself as the teacher, but to his teaching. He believes in what he is teaching people and therefore he wants to draw them to this teaching. He wants to share with them in such a way that will move them and capture them and bring them in so that they will focus again, not on him, but on what he's saying. Delightful words. Then he says, I also want to write accurately truthful sayings. The words accurately truthful speak of things that are sure, things that are reliable, things that are dependable. In other words, the author here, the teacher, Solomon is saying... As someone who is sharing and influential in other people's lives, I know I've only got so much time on this earth to teach. And therefore, I don't want to waste my time teaching on things that don't really matter. I want to spend every moment that I'm teaching, teaching people what really matters. You say, well, aren't you sort of contradicting yourself? Because you're saying everything matters. But now you're saying that the teacher is teaching us to just teach what really matters. Hang in there with me. I think you'll see where this goes in just a moment. Then verse 11. He tells us a couple things about good teaching. He says, the words of the sages are like prods. Prods were used, obviously, in a very crude form as just a stick to be able to get an animal to go in a certain direction or to get them into the pen or whatever. It it was a way to guide them. It was a way to direct them. But it was also a way to stimulate and stir them. And the teacher is saying that's what good teaching should do for us. Again, telling us things sometimes we don't want to hear, but telling us things we need to hear. We all need to acknowledge that there are times where we need to be stimulated and stirred up. Because we've sort of gotten into a to a spiritual malaise and complacency in our lives. And the Word of God does that. Especially in the hands of effective teachers. The Word of God also guides us and directs us. Your Word is a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my path. There again, the Word of God is declaring that the words of sages are like prize. But then he goes on to say also that the collected sayings are like firmly fixed nails. You ever think about the word of God or teaching what that really matters in our life as being like a nail? And when you think about that, nails do a couple things. First of all, they stabilize something. They keep it in place. They steady something. I can remember, too, where, you know, people would say, you know, you, you hang a nail there and you can put something on it. It's, it's what you can hang something on. And in a sense, that's what Solomon's saying is, you know, good teaching and, and especially, obviously, the word of God and what really matters, that kind of teaching, that's stuff that you can hang your life on. Going back to what he said earlier, because it's sure, it's dependable, it's reliable. Therefore, it, it's a nail. I can, I can trust it. I can stick stuff on it and I know it'll stick and it will stabilize me. It will steady me. Without the word of God, we are living in such chaotic times that people's lives become chaotic. Why? Because the word of God has not nailed them, if you will. There's no stability. There's a restlessness. 
There's a, as they say, being tossed to and fro with every wind of doctrine because there's no spiritual stability. Well, the word of God and the teaching of sages and, and collected sayings uh, are not just prods, but they're nails that are firmly fixed. It also reminds us that good teaching is something that will hold up over time. See, we live in a world today, again, where it's all about the next big new thing, the fad that comes along. And even spiritually, amongst Christian people, they're always running for that next faddish thing in Christianity. But Solomon is saying that, what about that just good old time stuff that never wears out, never gets old, it's always there. You can always count on it. I've got to tell you something humorous. You know, where at least it was to me, it, in some ways, and sad in another way, I guess I'm showing my age by saying this. You'll see where this is going in just a minute. But, you know, there's a lot of these shows on now about, you know, helping people prepare Thanksgiving dinner. And I'm sorry. I, I'm usually not too inflexible in my life. But when it comes to my Thanksgiving dinner, you can't beat. The tradition. Just give me the turkey. Give me the stuffing. Give me the mashed potatoes. Give me the cranberry sauce. Don't mess with it. And yet there's these people out there and they're messing with my stuffing. And they're putting stuff in mashed potatoes that should never be put in mashed potatoes on Thanksgiving at least. Like, can't you just stick with the tried and true? What's wrong with that? Well, folks, I hate to tell you, but... That's the kind of spiritual world that we live in today. What's wrong with the tried and true? Why do we think we need something new when everything that God has already given us in His Word is just fine just the way it is? That's what it means to be a nail. It's going to stand up the t- over the test of time. But then notice this at the end of verse 11. It's ultimately given, though, by one shepherd, meaning that You and I may have different human instruments or teachers in our life that explain and expound the scriptures to us, but ultimately, God is the source of all truth. God is the source of all wisdom. God is the source of all teaching, because ultimately, the Holy Spirit of God is our teacher, no human being. And therefore, again, Solomon the teacher saying, you got to look past the teacher and look to the one who's the source of it. it. Is it coming from God? If it does, it'll stand the test of time. Are these man's opinions? Are these man's thoughts? Are these man's reasonings and principles to live by? Or are these gods? And if they're gods, they'll stand the test of time. Never wear out. Then in verse 12, he, te- he switches from reminding us that, that the reason everything should matter in our life is because, first of all, life is a breath. Life is short. Life is fragile. It's uncertain. It's brief. But then he says, so as a teacher, I want to make sure because I've only got a limited time to teach that I teach what really matters. And then he says, and what it should remind all of us who are being taught to focus and live on what really matters. Notice verse 12. Be warned, my son, of anything in addition to them. The things that really matter. There is no end to the making of many books. You and I know this. Every time I go into a Barnes and Noble, it just amazes me how many new books are out every week almost. 
I mean, you and I could, we could dive into just all kinds of stuff about all kinds of stuff. But notice what he says, much study is exhausting to the body. And what he's saying in the context of what he's already said is this. You and I can choose to pour over and pour our lives into things that in the end won't really matter. Therefore, we've got to be careful. Because again, yes, everything matters. But we've got to learn to focus on what really matters for this reason. If I choose to focus on things that don't really matter, that a million years from now in eternity, five million years, ten million years, twenty million years, really didn't matter, then it's taking me away whatever time, energy, and effort that I'm using in this very short life to focus on that is taking me away from what really matters. That's why everything matters. Because even in the times where I'm pouring myself into something that in eternity really isn't going to matter, it is pulling me away from what really should be mattering in my life and what I really should be focused on. So that's why everything matters. There is no such thing as something that just is a throwaway. There is no such thing as just wasting time. Because if I'm wasting time now, that means I'm using this time not in a very wise way because I'm filling this very short life with something that five million years from now, a billion years from now in eternity, isn't going to matter. And Solomon is saying, don't we realize everything matters? And therefore, shouldn't we be, if we really believe that life is short and our life is going to fly by and all of a sudden we're going to be in eternity, then don't we want to truly make this earthly life count for something? And don't we want to then pour ourselves into what really matters instead of living our life and getting to the end of our life with all these regrets and go, boy, I wish I this and I wish that. And some says, why? It doesn't have to be that way. In fact, verse 13, he says, listen, Having heard everything and being the wisest person that ever lived, according to the Bible, I've reached this conclusion. Keep focused on what really matters, Solomon says. And here are the things, according to Solomon, from God that really matter. First, fear God. This word or these words speak about being in awe of God. These are words used about worshiping God. These are words about putting God in His rightful place. It's words that talk about acknowledging God in everything that I do and say in life. That's what it means to fear God. It's not to to talk about, you know, uh, building up or having uh, been uh, placed into my life an unhealthy fear. This is a healthy fear. It's a healthy respect and reverence for God. That if I truly believe God is who He has revealed Himself to be in Scripture, then I should be in awe of Him. That should be the focus of my life. My life should be filled with worshiping Him. I should be putting Him in His proper place. I should be acknowledging Him in everything that I do. 
That's why even Paul said to the Corinthians, as a Christian, as a follower of Jesus Christ, even what when we eat and drink, that should be done to the glory of God. Meaning again, according to Paul, there's no activity that we do that's a throwaway. There's nothing that we engage in as human beings, especially as followers of Jesus Christ, that doesn't mean anything. Oh, no. Everything means something to God, and therefore everything should mean something to us. Fear God. And the second thing, keep His commandments. The word keep means to observe, to continually consult, to follow. In other words, just think of, you know, his commandments, his principles to live as that spiritual GPS device. The smartphone that's much smarter than the smartphone That you never leave home without it and you never navigate anything in your day without it. That the Word of God truly is something that you keep in the forefront and right before your eyes at all times. Solomon says that's really what matters. That life, though we make it really complicated, can be reduced to these couple of things. Fear God and keep His commandments. That's what really matters. Again, it's no different than what Jesus said when He said, Seek first the kingdom of God, His rule and reign in my life, and His righteousness, and then all those things will be added. But it's so easy for us as Christians to either forget that everything matters, or to get caught up in this short earthly life with things that in eternity won't really matter. In fact, he goes on to say in verse 13, because this is the whole duty of man, he's saying this is what we were created for, and this is what will bring wholeness to our lives, rather than keeping holes, H-O-L-E-S, in our lives. It's really what the Hebrew is saying here. If you and I want to be whole, without any holes in our life, then we'll fear God and keep His commandments. That's what really matters. But see, we live in a world today, even amongst those who profess to be Christians and followers of Jesus Christ, who have a lot of holes in their life. You know how we know that? Because they keep looking for something to fill the hole. That's how we know that there's holes there. They're not a whole person according to themselves because they keep running after things to fill the holes. And Solomon is saying, if, if people who believed in God would just realize that focusing on Him and living for Him is what really matters, and that's what will make us whole, because He's our Creator. He created us for that. And until we buy into that truth that God is sharing with us, then we're going to have holes in our life. Because we're going to somehow think that the wholeness of being a a whole person, a complete person, is found in something other than just a relationship with God. And God keeps coming back to this. No, sorry. You're whole whenever you center your life in me and on me. That's how you become a whole person without holes in your life. 
And then in verse 14, he says, you you don't think everything matters? He says, I want to remind you of something in verse 14. God will evaluate some deeds. No, that's not what my Bible says. My Bible says God will evaluate every deed, including every secret or hidden thing, whether good or evil. It doesn't matter because God wants us to know something. Everything matters. Everything matters. Why? Because eternity awaits. See, Solomon is saying two things here. One at the beginning and one at the end with the common theme running through. We've got to approach life as if everything matters. Because life is short and because eternity is waiting on us. Therefore, Solomon says, I as a teacher need to make sure that I teach only what matters. Because we can teach and talk about a lot of things that in eternity isn't really going to matter. And then Solomon says, for those of us who are listening, we better focus on listening to what really matters. And we better begin to focus our lives on what really matters. Because everything matters. Everything matters. Let me ask you today. Absorbing this message even just a little bit right at this point. Is there even something right now that as you're contemplating and pondering the truth of God's word, you're saying, you know what? There's something I either need to begin to do in my life that I'm not doing or something that I need to just shed because... Five million years from now, 20 million years from now, a billion years from now in eternity. That took me away from what really mattered. I don't need that. You don't have to keep your finger there, but please follow along with me. I want to take you to several passages of scripture as we close this out today. And I want to start in the Gospel of Matthew. Because much of the word of God obviously reinforces other principles taught elsewhere, and that's true with this message as well. In Matthew chapter 6, beginning in verse 19, Jesus teaching his followers is really teaching them the same principles that Solomon is laying down for us here, which is why when Jesus gets to this part of his message, he says this in Matthew 6, verse 19, do not accumulate for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but accumulate for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moth and rust do not destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. If then your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is diseased, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Jesus simply saying by using the eye, saying... If your focus is off, then obviously what it leads to is off. You've got to make sure that you're focused where it needs to be and keep your focus on what really matters because our eyes really determine what we're looking at and where we want to go and what we're focused on. And if it's not proper, then it throws everything off. We end up getting somewhere we really don't want to get or in eternity we'll regret we got because of our eye where we're focused. And then he says in verse 24, no man can serve two masters. 
Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God in money. You really can't serve God in any other thing. And Jesus is simply saying, if you and I don't keep our lives focused on what really matters, then automatically we're allowing into our lives things that aren't going to matter. Then go with me to the book of Colossians. To Colossians chapter 3. Colossians is in that section where Paul's dealing with the Galatians and then the Ephesians and then the Philippians and then finally, after Philippians, Colossians. Colossians chapter 3, beginning at verse 1. Paul writes to the Colossians, Therefore, if you have been raised with Christ, if you're a Christian... If you know Christ is your Savior, then keep seeking the things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Keep thinking about things above, not things on the earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you too will be revealed in glory with Him. Amongst many other things, Paul is reminding the Colossians, live with eternity in mind every day. Don't forget about eternity. Don't get caught up on the earthly stuff. Live and focus on eternal things. Invest in eternity. Then the book of Hebrews. You know I'd get to Hebrews at some point, right? Because if you've been around me, you know Hebrews is probably my favorite book of the Bible. Hebrews chapter 12. First couple of verses. The author of Hebrews says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, we need to get rid of every weight and the sin that clings so closely and run with endurance the race set out for us, keeping our eyes fixed on Jesus. Now, it's pretty self-evident to most Christians that, yeah, we need to lay aside sin. But I want to point out something, and I've pointed this out before. But he also tells us to lay aside every weight. And weights aren't necessarily bad things. That's why it's separate from sin. But he's reminding us of a principle. A principle, again, that's taught throughout Scripture. In fact, I don't want to get too graphic because it's going to provide some mental images maybe we don't want. But in order to be very technical here, okay, I, I, I need to say this. If you look at a word like the word gymnasio, where we get our word gymnasium from in the New Testament, and it's used several times, it, it's telling us to, you know, discipline our lives and to be trained and to, in a sense, enter into spiritually working out every day. That literally in the Greek language, because this is what they did back then, glad I didn't live back then, they would exercise naked. And that's literally what the Greek means. Because again, it was this picture, though we don't want that picture maybe, but it was this picture of someone being totally unencumbered with nothing to inhibit them at all, you see. And what Paul uses that term for for us as Christians is sort of similar to what the author of Hebrews is saying here. That we sometimes, in order to live for what really matters... And to not allow our lives to get so easily distracted and off course and remembering that everything matters because if I'm pouring my life into this that doesn't matter, then it's pulling me away from things that really do matter. Then that becomes, if not a sin, a weight. And the author of Hebrews is saying, if everything matters, then isn't it time to lay aside that weight? It might not be something bad. 
It might be something good, but the author of Hebrews is saying, if I truly want to live and run this race with energy and endurance over the long haul, I got to be willing to shed some stuff. Because just like our homes, the longer we live, we just sort of accumulate stuff that hangs on us. It's like, it's like when you own your own home. It's like you started out pretty simple, then you go into your garage one day and other neighborhoods just threw up in there. And all of a sudden you're gone. where did all this stuff come from? Well, it's because it just, over time, it just sort of accumulates. And the author of Hebrews and Paul is saying to us as Christians, you know, we got to be careful because just by living life, we can just walk through life and all of a sudden just keep accumulating this on my arm and this on my leg. And all of a sudden I'm trying to, you know, run with endurance the Christian life. And yet I got all this stuff hanging on me. And he says, it's time to shed that. And truly focus and nail down what really matters and start living for that. Which now brings us full circle back to the book of James chapter 4 as we end today. The book right after Hebrews. Because I want to read this to you again. And I want you to see this in now another light or from another perspective. Not only in James chapter 4, beginning at verse 13, is James reminding us that life is uncertain, life is brief, and life is fragile or frail. But in these verses too, he's telling us this. The secret to living for what really matters is all about living dependently on God rather than independently. It's about staying connected to God at all times rather than being disconnected. And the reason I wanted to point this out and read this passage is because this song that we're going to end with today is a song that's all about staying connected to God and living every moment dependently on Him rather than independently of Him. And... and Watch this passage and look at this passage as we read it again and look at it now from that perspective and see if you don't see it as well about a call to live dependently in connection with God. Come now you who say today or tomorrow we will go into this or that town and spend a year there and do business and make profit. You do not know about tomorrow. What is your life like? For you are a puff of smoke that appears for a short time and then vanishes away. You ought to say instead, if the Lord is willing, then we will live and do this or that. But as it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. So whoever knows what is good to do and does not do it is guilty of sin. Solomon, James, Paul, and obviously Jesus, above all other teachers, has taught us today from the Word of God that everything matters. Everything. There's nothing that doesn't matter. And two primary things drive us to that conclusion. Life is short. And secondly, eternity is waiting. 
what does this message, now I'll say it this way, how does this message change your life right now? Is there something you and I need to begin doing a little differently? Whether it's doing something we know we should more consistently or at all, or is it a weight that we need to shed? Because it's preventing me from doing what really matters and what a billion years from now in eternity, I'll be glad I did. Rather than wasting my time on something that in eternity is going to show up as, that was a waste. I had 80 years or about that to live on this earth and I spent my time with that? I spent my time on that rather than this? Can I say that's why I remind us all the time, at least from my perspective, I'm conscious of this every year. We have 52 Sundays. That's it. 52 hours, basically, every year. That's it. 52 Tuesday nights every year. That's it. And once they're gone, we don't get them back. That's why I tell people, it's like, you know, can't you maybe realize, you know, these times are precious? Because once they're gone, they're gone. What is it that God is speaking to us about today? Because everything matters. Let's pray. Lord, I, I pray that we would get it. That we would truly grasp, comprehend, absorb what you want to teach us here this morning. God, life is such a precious gift that you, our Creator, has given to each of us as human beings. And yet many times we live every day not being conscious of how brief life is, how fragile life is, and how uncertain life is. Until something, some crisis or something comes into our life, then all of a sudden our priorities and things begin to change. But I think, God, what you're teaching us here today is that our life doesn't have to look like that. That our life can line up and our priorities can be what they should be at all times. Not just when some crisis comes into our life that sort of jerks us back into reality. And shakes us a little bit. And shakes the very foundation of our being. Because God, you have reminded us that your word, your truth can be like prods and firmly fixed nails. That we live by and observe and carefully pay attention to every day of our lives. So that, Lord, every day, every hour of the day, every minute of the day, we are living for what really matters. Because life is short and eternity is waiting. Help us to focus on you and stay connected to you and live in dependence of you, God, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.